0: from Judges chapter 6 verses 1 through 10. The Israelites did what was evil in the sight of the Lord and the Lord gave them into the hand of Midian for seven years. The hand of Midian prevailed over Israel and because of Midian the Israelites provided for themselves hiding places in the mountains, caves, and strongholds. For for whenever the Israelites put in seed, the Midianites and the Amalekites and the people of the east would come up against them. They would encamp against them and destroy the produce of the land, as far as the neighborhood of Gaza, and leave no sustenance in Israel, and no sheep or ox or donkey. For they and their livestock would come up, and they would even bring their tents, as thick as locusts. Neither they nor their camels could be counted, so they wasted the land as they came in. Thus Israel was greatly impoverished because of Midian, and the Israelites cried out to the Lord for help. When the Israelites cried to the Lord on account of the Midianites, the Lord sent a prophet to the Israelites, and he said to them, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, I led you up from Egypt and brought you out of the house of slavery, and I delivered you from the hand of the Egyptians and from the hand of all who oppressed you and drove them out before you and gave you their land. And I said to you, I am the Lord your God, and you shall not pay reverence to the gods of the Amorites in whose land you live.'" But you have not given heed to my voice. The word of God for the people of God. Be to God.
1: So, a few months ago, I was at a gathering of pastors, and we were. Talking about deep spiritual things, we were talking about the, the power that one person has to, to change the world. We were talking about the, the power of generosity to, to, uh, to leave a legacy behind. And as we were talking, uh, one of these old grizzled veteran pastors who was there in the room with us got up and, and he told us this story. He said, I grew up in a small town out in the thumb, he said, and it was a wonderful place to grow up. It was one of those little places where everybody knew everybody else and there was a real feeling of community, he said, especially around around Halloween. He said, on Halloween night, the the decorations would go out in people's front yards and then the streets would fill with trick-or-treaters and everybody would look after everybody else's kids. He said, everybody in town looked forward to, to celebrating Halloween, but nobody, nobody in town looked forward to Halloween. Halloween more than Old Mike. Now old Mike didn't have much. He lived in a, a little shack uh, with a crick out back and a rusty old car in the in the yard. Old Mike didn't have much, but all year long he would save his pennies and he would save his nickels, and then just before Halloween, he would go to the store and he would load up on candy. And we're not talking like the Smarties and the snack size candy bars. Old Mike would go to the store and he would come home with, with the full-size candy bars, hundreds and hundreds of full-size candy bars, the kind of candy that make you a, a Halloween legend. And, and then on Halloween night, old Mike would, would take a, an old folding card table that also doubled as his dining room table. He would take that table and he would set it up in front of his little shack. And then he would pile all of those candy bars in a great big mountain of sugar on top of, on top of that table. And then he would bring out a folding chair and he would sit behind the table and he would wait for the trick-or-treaters to come. And, of course, the trick-or-treaters would come, right? The highlight of every kid's Halloween was a visit to, to old Mike's shack not just because he gave the best candy but, but also because Old Mike would compliment the kids on their costumes and he would remember their names and he would, would tell them how much they'd grown in the, in the last year the kids in town, they, they came to love Old Mike they looked forward to Halloween at his place all, all of the kids in town thought a stop at Old Mike's house was, was the highlight of Halloween and for, for Old Mike, Halloween was the highlight of the entire year well, this pastor said, eventually, of course, I graduated from high school, and I, I moved away from town. I went to college. I went to seminary. I became a pastor. And I didn't get many chances to go back to, to my hometown, he said. But, but one year, many decades later, just after I'd retired from, from preaching, he said, I had the chance to go back to my hometown, and it just happened that I was there in, in October, just in time for Halloween. He said, and as I was trying to track down people I used to know and as I was looking for ways to connect with my, my old friends, somebody mentioned to me that there was going to be a party, a Halloween night party at the, the fire station, and that would be a good place to see people. So on Halloween night, I went to the fire station, he said, and there was this incredible party going on. They had candy out for the kids, and there was cider and, and donuts and costume competitions and games and, and prizes, and he said, I did run into some of my old buddies, and we went off in the corner and, and started reminiscing. And talking about old times. And as we were talking, this pastor said, I, I said to my friends, You know what? You know what I remember about Halloween growing up here? I remember, I remember old Mike. Do you remember old Mike? Do you remember the little shack with the crick out back and the rusty old car in the in the yard? I remember old Mike used to give the best candy on Halloween. And it's just too bad that that these kids are never going to get to experience Halloween at Old Mike's shack. It's too bad that they're never going to, to know what Halloween was like in this town when when old Mike was around. And then this pastor said, one of my friends, he he looked at me and he said, Don't you know? He said, Don't you know what happened to, to old Mike? He said, not long after you left town, Old Mike passed away. And of course, everybody in town grieved his loss, but nobody was sadder than the kids in town. They knew that Halloween was never, was never going to be the same. Everybody was, was brokenhearted, and they were mourning Old Mike. But then they discovered that Old Mike had left a, a will. And Old Mike didn't have much, but it also turns out he didn't have any family. He had no, no relatives. And so in his will, he left all of his possessions, everything that he had, the little old shack by the creek, the rusty old car in the yard, even the folding card table, he left all of his possessions to the town council, and in his will, old Mike made just one request. His one request was that in perpetuity, the town council would, on Halloween night, provide full-size candy bars for all of, for all of the kids in town. Well, of course, the, the rusty old car and the little shack by the cricket didn't amount to much, but when word got out of what Old Mike had done, the, the members of the town council, they were all moved to chip into the old Mike Halloween celebration fund. <clears throat> And then people around town, they all started putting their own donations in the Halloween fund. And so it happened that the first year after Old Mike passed away, there was a, a sort of a gathering at the fire station on, on Halloween night. And they gave full-size candy bars to every every kid in town. And then they realized that they had plenty of money left over. And so the next year, this gathering got a little bit bigger. They put out cider and donuts. And then as the years went on, they just kept adding things to this celebration. They added costume competitions and games and and prom- this this friend said to the pastor he said this party this thing you're at right now this is old mike's legacy all of this happened because because of old mike and that's a great story isn't it that's a terrific story an absolutely true story all my stories are true that one really happened it's a it's a true it's a true story but that's not the end of the story now This last week, I was uh, gathered with a couple of my, my preacher friends, and and uh, we were talking about things, and one of my, my pastor friends asked me, she asked me, so, so what are you going to preach about this Sunday? What are you going to preach on for, for All Saints Sunday? And I said, well, you remember that story about old Mike and the shack and the, the, the folding table covered with all those candy bars? I said, I think I'm going to tell people about old Mike this Sunday. And my friend, she said, that's crazy. She said, I'm going to be telling that same story at my church this Sunday, and, and then our other friend who was sitting there said, well, if you think that's crazy, this is really going to knock your socks off because I was planning on talking about Old Mike at my church on Sunday too. So I can tell you for a fact that in three different United Methodist churches this morning, three different United Methodist pastors are telling their congregations the story of Old Mike. Old Mike has been gone for 50 years, but his story is still inspiring people today. Old Mike has been gone for 50 years, but his legacy, his legacy continues. And of course, there's a reason why three different Different Pastors are telling Old Mike's story on this Sunday of All Sundays, right? It's because All Saints Sunday is all about the Old Mikes of this world. All Saints' Sunday is is that day when we when we remember that you don't need to be wealthy, you don't need to be famous, you don't need to be powerful in order to change the world and, and leave a legacy behind. Today is the day when we when we gather and we remember that most of the work that God does in this world is done by people who will never have a church named after them, people who will never get their face in a a stained glass window. Today is the day when we when we gather together and remember the the power of being faithful with the little that we may have in the. This world. Today, we remember that, that most of the saints leave a legacy that lives on long after, long after their names have been forgotten. Today is all about people like old Mike, and it's about people like the, like the prophet in today's scripture reading. In today's scripture reading, we, we pick up the story of the Israelites at a really dark and, and difficult moment. You remember maybe how a little bit of the story goes. God sets the Israelites free from slavery in the land of Egypt. God cares for the Israelites through decades of wandering through the desert and through the the wilderness. And then God leads the Israelites into this, this abundant and beautiful land, this land of milk and honey, this promised land. God settles the people in the land. And then as soon as the Israelites settle down in the land, what do they do? They forget all about God. They discover that their their new neighbors, the Canaanites, worship these these idols, these statues that were made of of gold and silver and precious gems. And those those shiny statues, they they catch the Israelites' eyes. They draw their hearts away from God. The Israelites say, wouldn't it be nice to worship gods we can see instead of a a God we can't see? And so bit by bit, the Israelites turn away from God. And at first, that seems like a good trade. At first, it seems like they've made a a wise decision because their fields are, are filled with crops and things are going really well in this, this beautiful and rich and abundant land. But then one year, right around this time of year, right around the harvest time, suddenly tragedy, calamity strikes. Just after the people had brought all of their crops in from the field, just after the, the harvest was stored in, in barns and their silos were filled with food to get them through the winter, suddenly, suddenly the Midianites arrived. Now, the Midianites were a, a, a tribe of people who had no homeland. They were a great wandering tribe of people who rode around from place to place on their camels, and they, they lived in tents, and they just took whatever they found as they went. And the Midianites came. There were so many of them. There were like a great cloud of locusts descending on the land. There were so many of them that the Israelites never stood a chance. And the Midianites came to the land of the Israelites, and they took everything they could get their hands on. They plundered the storehouses. They stripped the barns they took all of the food from from the fields and then they moved on and left the Israelites to starve of course that was a difficult winter a lot of the Israelites didn't make it through to, to the spring. But those who did, they were strong and resilient people. So what did they do? They, they plowed their fields and they planted seeds. And then all summer long, they tended their crops. And in, in the fall, they brought in another harvest. They filled their barns and their silos and their storehouses with grain again. And then just like clockwork, the Midianites showed up. And the Midianites took everything with them year after year, harvest after harvest. The Midianites came and took everything that the Israelites had worked all year long to grow for Seven years, the Midianites came. For seven years, the Israelites starved and and suffered. And then after seven years of suffering, finally somebody said, hey, you remember that God? Remember the God who got us out of Egypt, the God we used to worship, the God we we couldn't see? Maybe, Maybe we should try crying out to that God. Nothing else has worked. Nothing else has helped us. And so the people cried out to God, God, send a hero. God, rescue us from our enemies. God, save us from the Midianites. And God heard that prayer, and God wanted to save those people. God wanted to send them a hero. But then God looked in their hearts... And God saw that they, they were not crying out to God out of love. They were crying out to God out of, out of desperation. God saw that they weren't seeking to renew their relationship with God. They were just looking to use God's power for a little while. And then as soon as God pulled them out of this mess, they were going to go right back to worshiping those those shiny idols. God looked in their hearts and God saw that they were like a a nation of Cousin Eddie's from National Lampoon Christmas Vacation, right? They were a nation full of of that family member who only calls and who only shows up on your doorstep when they need you to write a check. And then the moment you do, they're they're gone again and you're not going to hear from them until you're in trouble. And God didn't want a cousin Eddie relationship with the Israelites. God didn't want a a relationship of desperation and convenience. God wanted a relationship of deep loving kindness with the the Israelites. And so even though it must have pained God to do it, God didn't send a hero. Instead, God sent a a prophet. Did you catch the name of the prophet in this morning scripture reading? You, You didn't catch it because the Bible doesn't drop it. Nobody knows the name of this prophet. This is the first unnamed prophet in all, in all of the Old Testament. Nobody wrote down his name. Nobody remembered his name. Nobody knows where he came from. Nobody knows where he went after this moment. All we know is that from out of nowhere comes this prophet, and this prophet speaks a word to the people from God. This prophet preaches a message to the people, and this is the sermon that the prophet speak, uh, speaks to the people. The prophet says to the people, God has loved you so deeply. God has poured out love upon, love upon, love upon you. God carried you out of Egypt. God walked you through the wilderness. God brought you to this good and abundant land. God has given you nothing but love, but you have not loved God back. You have turned away from God. You have gone chasing after idols. You have put your trust in things made with human hands. It must have been a hard sermon to hear. Maybe that's why nobody wrote down the prophet's name. It must not have made him a very, a very popular guy. It must have been a difficult sermon for those people to hear, a hard word for those people to hear. But that sermon, that message that this unnamed prophet preaches, it did the job. It began to chip away and soften the people's stony hearts. The prophet held up a mirror to God's people so they could see themselves as they truly were. And the people, as one began to repent, the message that this old prophet proclaimed was the beginning of an entire nation, coming to repentance and turning and turning back to God and nobody remembers this prophet's name. Now, in weeks to come, we're going to continue this story, and in weeks to come, we're going to hear how eventually God does raise up a hero for the people. God calls a man named Gideon, and then God shapes Gideon into just the hero that his people need. God finally calls Gideon to lead the people into victory and set them free from from the Midianites forever. We're going to hear that story over the next several weeks. You're going to hear an awful lot about Gideon, but this unnamed prophet, you're never going to hear about him again. He drops out of the story completely. He doesn't reappear in Scripture at all. But I hope that as we continue to tell this story, I hope that in weeks to come, as we continue to talk about about Gideon, I hope that you will remember somewhere in the back of your head this unnamed prophet. Remember that this is his story every bit as much as it is Gideon's story. Remember that the saints whose names we remember, they stand on the shoulders of lots of saints whose names we have forgotten. I hope that you will remember that most of the work God does in this world is is done through the hands of people whose legacies will live on long, long after their names are forgotten. And most of all today, I hope that as we continue with our worship and as you go out into the world, I hope that you will leave asking yourself this question What's my legacy going to be? What can I do today to make sure that my work will go on, that my story will continue to inspire people long after I'm gone? Let's pray. God, we pray that you would give us the wisdom to look ahead. God, we pray that you would give us the courage to speak difficult words. God, we pray that someday people would celebrate us on All Saints Day, that they would tell our stories even after they've forgotten our names. God, we pray that our ministry, our life's work, all of this would go on long after we're gone. These things we pray in Jesus. Amen.